Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. DiMaggio. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, February 12th, as we look to preview UFC 271 Adesanya versus Whitaker 2, which will take place uh, in a couple of hours from the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. Uh, as always, just amazing to be back with you guys. Uh, very excited for this pay-per-view. Should be a great one. A lot of, uh, a lot of fun fights on this card. Uh, a couple of uh, consequential fights towards the top and uh, smart matchmaking smart matchmaking uh, pretty much up and down uh, the board uh, I love the fact that we have basically uh, what what boils down to a middleweight uh, number one contender fight uh, on the uh, the same card as the uh, middleweight championship I think that's very smart um, not a whole lot of housekeeping we got the main card showdown uh, a little bit later uh, we will have updated rankings at some point today, probably pretty late, uh, pretty late, but we'll get the uh, updated rankings in at some point. It's going to be a pretty quick preview show because we were having some technical difficulties uh, trying to uh, get this show on the road. So uh, we'll, we'll be uh, friends of, uh, of brevity today. So uh, we'll jump right into it here. We got 14 fights on this pay-per-view good size good size for a pay-per-view i like when pay-per-views are 14 or 15 fights uh and obviously we'll start out here with the main event for the middleweight championship of the world it's the rematch uh the battle of oceana between the champion israel adesanya and the number one contender robert whitaker adesanya 21 and one whitaker 24 and five we'll take a look at the odds for this one uh, coming from Odds Shark, uh, Adesanya is the minus 295 favorite. Um, obviously, a lot of talking points coming into this one, especially uh, you know, given it's a, a rematch. Uh, really, the, the dominant talking point for this one was, uh, at least from what I saw on social media and um, you know, through um, you know, whatever the UFC puts out, is, uh, you know, the, the mental state of Robert Whitaker and how uh, supposedly supposedly it's it's better now. Uh, he was very rattled by the whole New Zealand versus Australia uh, dynamic in the first one. And, you know, it seems like he was uh, overly amped up. He's a pretty uh, amped up guy in general when he's in the cage, um, you know, smashing the, the shit out of his chest and... Uh, you know, I think he took it to another level at uh, 243. And, you know, you'll hear a lot of fighters say this. Um, you know, it, it was probably one of the biggest revelations for Michael Bisping in his career that, um, you know, when when you fight angry, you're, you're really not fighting uh, at your best. 
So hopefully that's something that Robert Whitaker can learn from. And, you know, I, I, I do believe him that uh, he's in a different headspace for this one. Uh, you know, he's, he's uh, got, got the show back on the road, three wins against three top contenders. Honestly, uh, you know, I believe Whitaker would be champ if Adesanya uh, wasn't around. It's kind, of, it's kind of like Daniel Cormier at light heavyweight where, well, you know, it just sucks for DC because he happened to live in the era of John Jones and was never really viewed as the legitimate champion, at least for a good portion of his uh, tenure at light heavyweight. And I kind of feel the same way for Robert Whitaker. I mean, he, it, it, you know, it, Izzy is clearly 1A, Robert is clearly 1B. And I, I think he would, I think he would be where Izzy is right now if if he didn't exist. Obviously, uh, you know it's kind of a moot point because uh, Izzy does exist. But you know the, these are clearly the two best middleweights on the the planet. And you look at you look at Rob's last three fights. I mean, the reason I bring it up is those basically are title fights. I mean, really, you know, he's taken on top guys time time in and time out. I mean, Darren Till, Jared Cannonier, and Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, I mean, those those are not like number 14 guys in the division. Those are essentially guys who could be fighting for the title and would have been fighting for the title if they if they had gotten past the Reaper. Um, so a very, very high level of competition, undefeated at middleweight outside of his uh, only loss in the division to Izzy. Um, it's. I think it's going to be a closer fight than it was the first time. That's not exactly saying much because Izzy hurt him at the end of the first round and, and finished him in the in the second. But uh, patience, I think, is going to be the the key for for Whitaker to win. I think you look at uh, Izzy's only loss to Jan Blahovich. I think that's how you're going to have to beat him. You're going to have to probably be uh, patient, strike with him, and uh, you know when when a takedown presents itself. You shoot for the takedown. I think wrestling is going to have to be a pretty big part of beating Izzy. Easier said than done because he has great takedown defense, and Izzy obviously knows that he's always going to be the better striker in in a matchup against somebody, and that wrestling is is probably going to be the uh, path to victory because it's you're going to be hard pressed to beat Izzy in a 25 minute kickboxing match. Um, but uh, you know, let's 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 not forget. You know, you go back to that Jan Blahovich fight, and there's a lot of different factors. Um, obviously, that's 20 pounds heavier, and not only is it 20 pounds heavier. I mean, Izzy came in, uh, you know, not really cutting any weight. You know, he probably weighed 203, 204 when he was in the cage, and and who knows how much uh, Jan Blahovich weighed. I mean, Jesus, probably weighed you know 230, 235. Who knows? Um, it's obviously size is a is a, an important thing, but Jan was beating Izzy uh, striking, so you you can beat Izzy striking. Maybe not for 25 minutes because Jan you know mixed in the takedowns rounds three, four, and five for sure. Four and five. I can't remember if, if he had a takedown in round three, but um, you know he he stood with him. You know the commentary crew is incredibly biased towards Izzy, but Izzy did not win striking exchanges against Jan Blahovic. Uh, you know you 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 would have to you would have to have um, you know I don't know cuckoo birds floating around your head. You you would have to have stars floating around your head and and visions of uh, you know gumdrop paradise to think that Izzy Adesanya was outstriking Jan Blachowicz. That just very clearly wasn't the case. Um, 
So I think this fight's going to be closer uh, because Rob's not going to come in. Izzy's just such a good counter striker that it's going to be pretty hard to bum rush him and, and, and you know, get something done. Um, he's he's very flexible. He's, I mean, you saw that for the first um, knockdown at the end of round one in, in uh, uh, the first stanza where he just leaned back and threw like a, a, a lunging hook. And it's like, well, when you're 6'4 and have a, a reach advantage of uh, about seven inches, you can kind of get away with with doing shit like that. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna see Kelvin Gastelum doing shit like that. But you know, when you have the dimensions of Izzy, um, that is a possibility. Um, all all this being said, I do think Izzy uh, comes out on top. I just think it's a real tall task. I would not be surprised if Rob won. Um, obviously, Izzy's hot shit and probably the second biggest superstar um in uh in the ufc but you know let's let's not forget like robert whitaker is really really good i mean it really is 1a 1b and if there's anybody who can beat israel israel adesanya at least at middleweight at least at the division where he's optimal you know optimized to perform at if there's anybody who can do it it's robert whitaker and i kind of liken this to uh the welterweight division I think Izzy is very similar to Kamaru Usman in the sense that uh, he's incredibly dominant and he's he's you know on his second lap of lapping the division. It's going to be a very tall task to beat him. It would take a Herculean effort, as uh, John Anik would say, to beat Israel Adesanya. Um, but I think if anybody can do it, it's Robert Whitaker. I just don't know if he can. Uh, same same with Kamaru. If anybody, if anybody can beat Kamaru Usman, it is Colby Covington, and obviously we saw how that turned out. We got you know clarity on on that one, but it's like Usman and Covington are leagues leagues above number three and number four in the rest of the division, and and there's a sizable gap between Usman and Covington. I feel basically the same way about the middleweight division. So. Um, you know, should be should be interesting. I'm gonna go Adesanya by decision. I don't think he finishes Whitaker this time. I think maybe Whitaker can land a takedown. I would not imagine his takedown percentage would be very high in this fight, but I'd imagine he, he maybe gets a takedown uh, or two. Uh, he showed really good takedowns in his uh, his last three fights, particularly the Darren Till and Jared Cannonier fight. Um, but uh, I think Izzy Izzy gets it done. However, however boring it might be, you know, fair fair play to him. I mean, we've seen if it's a boring fight, Izzy wins. I mean, that's just that's just how it is. It's not to say he can't win an exciting fight because he does do some spectacular stuff. But it's like, you know, look at the Vittori fight. Look at the the um, uh, Yoel Romero fight. Uh, you know, you're you're. It's kind of weird because you have to find this middle ground that I think Jan Blahovich found. Where if you try to win a boring fight against Izzy, you're gonna lose a boring fight. If you try to win an exciting fight and bum rush him, you're getting knocked out. I think there's a sweet spot that maybe maybe Rob can hit, but uh, I'm gonna go Israel Adesanya on this one. All right, moving on to the co-main event. It's uh, in the heavyweight division. Two heavyweights tipping the uh, the scale at the limit. Tied to Ivasa and Derek Lewis. To Ivasa, 14 and three. Lewis, 26 and eight. Obviously, this fight is taking place in uh, Lewis's hometown of Houston, Texas. He is the minus 185 favorite, and I think that's that's pretty fair. Obviously, he's the knockout king. 
uh, not just of the heavyweight division, but uh, of the UFC. Honestly, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this fight uh, because there's really not a whole lot to, to go over. It's just two big, powerful guys, and whoever lands first is is going to win. There's really not a whole lot of strategy involved. I would imagine Tuivasa is probably walking Lewis down just because Lewis is so comfortable being a counter striker and, and just looking for that one punch to land uh, uh, you know, a spectacular knockout. But you know, there's no, there's not going to be any wrestling in this fight. There's not going to be any, probably any kicks in this fight outside. Of, you know, Derek Lewis once, once a fight will throw a, a jumping switch kick or, or something that misses. Uh, but it's going to be left hand, right hand, and they're going to be going for the chin. I wouldn't even imagine they'd go for body shots. So I mean, it's really just rock 'em sock 'em robots. Um, and and that's about it. There's no cardio in this fight. I'd be fairly shocked if this fight made it uh past the first bell uh and and that that's about that's about it um honestly it's a coin flip in my mind maybe a little bit in favor of Derek lewis because he's he's maybe at a higher level and and has more um experience in uh fights like this but um i I guess i guess you got to favor Derek lewis but anytime you're essentially going to trade one for one uh, and, and you know, just just look for that one shot knockout. Um, I mean, you you can't ever. That, that, that's why I think the odds are so appropriate at, at minus one eighty five because you would never feel good about you know minus two fifty odds. You know, in a matchup like this at heavyweight. Uh, you know, if 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 you're just you know swinging howitzers. So, um, yeah, I'll go Lewis, but totally would not shock me if Tuivasa won this fight. I mean, you're 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 playing a very dangerous, dangerous game. Uh, and Tuivasa's got a good chin as well. Uh, that's not to say Derek Lewis has a bad chin, but Tuivasa's got a pretty good chin. So, you know, I can see why they put this as the co-main event. The, the one X factor for me, and people have been saying that it looks like it's fixed, is Derek Lewis is fighting in Houston, and he's had some bad performances in Houston, obviously his last fight against Cyril Ghosn. Uh, the Alir Latifi fight, which he 100% lost that fight. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Derek Lewis lost to Alir Latifi. Uh, got a terrible hometown decision. Did nothing in that fight. He kind of hurt Latifi in round three, if you want to give round three to Derek Lewis, but he 100% lost the first two rounds of that fight by doing nothing. And even round three, he was swinging. Uh, he was very active and swinging very hard, but he was missing so many strikes that it's like, so we're going to say you won the fight because you threw more that missed? It's like, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. So he has performance uh, jitters in Houston. And albeit this is not for a title, you know, people have been saying that, um, you know, like his coach, uh, Bob Perez, I believe, you know, has, has been saying that, you know, it didn't feel right last time. It feels right this time, more or less, obviously paraphrasing. Um I don't know. I don't really think that gets fixed. I mean, we'll see. You know, if he comes out and has a a shining performance, um, you know, obviously that changes things and that changes things moving forward because surely he'll be in this same big spot in Houston uh, again in his career because he's got several years left and the UFC loves going to Houston and, you know, makes all the sense in the world to have Derek Lewis in H-Town fighting. But uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll wait and see. But that's kind of an X factor because... I wouldn't imagine Tai Tuivasa would give a fuck about fighting in Houston. I mean, you know, it's not his hometown, so 
uh, we'll see. But I'm I'm ex- I'm excited for that one, and I do not expect it to last very long. That is uh, for sure. All right, moving on to the featured bout on the main card. It's going to be uh, essentially a middleweight uh, number one contender fight between Jared Cannonier, the Killer Gorilla and Derek Brunson. The UFC wants to tell me his nickname is The One. Uh, I am not I'm not going to buy that. As far as I'm concerned, Derek Brunson does not have a nickname. If anything, Derek Brunson's nickname should be T-Pose because his T-Pose is fucking epic. I love watching him do the fucking T-Pose. It's hilarious. Dude has the widest shoulders on fucking planet Earth outside of maybe Phil Davis. Phil Davis has some wild shoulders. But Derek Brunson just has hilarious dimensions to his body. It's fucking funny. I like Derek Brunson. Uh, you know, Blonde Brunson. I can get behind it. I like it. He's made strides in his game. And, uh, you know, this is really going to be his toughest test since Israel Adesanya, his last loss uh, five, uh, well, I guess will be six six fights ago. Um, you know, the, the, the UFC obviously has hesitation saying that uh, the winner of this fight ha- has got next. The UFC really never announces number one contenderships uh, because, you know, championships don't mean anything. Interim championships mean even less, and they don't like committing to fighters uh, fighting for something big after uh, or, or before a fight happens because if they, if they, and I can understand that a little bit, you know, if if they say the winner of this fight for sure gets a title shot and Derek Brunson has a dog shit performance, you've kind of locked yourself into, uh, you know, a gross fight. So, you know, I understand it, but uh, I really believe the winner of this will uh, fight Izzy next. It makes all the sense in the world, and that's obviously why they're uh, on this pay-per-view as well. Um, two guys are kind of in... Uh, it, in, in similar spots here, you know, Derek Brunson, 38 years old, and uh, Jared Cannonier, uh, 37. So it's two guys who are probably not going to be fighting for uh, too much longer. Obviously, Derek Brunson said he's got two fights left, which is the dumbest, most career-killing ki- thing you possibly could say, uh, you know, when you're essentially one fight away from the title. Um uh, I just realized I forgot uh, the odds for this one. Uh, Jared Cannonier is the minus one sixty-five favorite, and uh, you know I would di- I would disagree with that. I would disagree with that. I'm I would favor Derek Brunson in this fight. Uh, I think Brunson his uh, his approach over this winning streak has has been refreshing. You know he's been known as the aggressive guy uh, who who marches forward and and uh, loses big fights. That's the one. That's the one thing that's followed uh, Derek Brunson throughout his entire career. Is he will he'll go on some nice moderate winning streaks. He'll win two, three, four fights in a row, but uh, he'll get to a certain point where if he were to win this big fight, something massive would happen. You know, maybe a title shot or maybe uh, interim or, or something huge, and he'll lose that. He'll lose it. Uh, you know, he's been he's been a gatekeeper. He's been in the UFC for quite some time. He's been in the rankings for a long time, pretty high in the rankings for a long time, but can't quite get past that bump. But, you know, I think he has a somewhat similar style to Robert Whitaker in the sense that, you know, he's got he's got good cardio. Uh, you know, I think his striking is is good and obviously he's a great wrestler, so um, you know, if I'm Jared Cannonier, I, I really don't like this matchup very much. Uh, I think I think purely striking, 
you, you probably would have to give it to Cannoneer, but I think it would be a close fight. But Cannoneer really struggled with Whitaker's wrestling, and I think Brunson can do a lot of the same thing here. So, uh, you know, you have two guys who are uh, finishers, and in a 15-minute fight, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, they both have uh, nice, significant strike uh, differentials. You know, they're both positive. The defense is, is a lot better for Jared Cannoneer when you look at the um, – Percentages, but grappling. Derek Brunson is is very active. He's got a 94% takedown defense, which I don't think will factor into this fight. I would be pretty surprised if Cannonier shoots for a takedown. The takedown accuracy for Brunson is not amazing. It's 34%, but the takedown defense for Cannonier is is just kind of average at 62. So, um, you know, I think Brunson's cool with standing across from Jared Cannonier and maybe striking for a little bit. I wouldn't imagine, you know, Derek Brunson's going to be diving for, for you know, the legs of Cannonier every chance he gets. Uh, he's, he's a well-rounded fighter. He's a well-rounded fighter. But, you know, when it's all said and done, I think essentially what it boils down to is uh, I think Brunson has more ways to win this fight than Cannonier does. I, I, I could see Brunson winning a 15-minute decision. I could see him maybe finishing Cannonier. I mean, Brunson's got heavy hands, and, and, you know, he's a good striker. And I could certainly see him, uh, you know, grapple-fucking Cannonier for 15 minutes. Whereas Jared Cannonier, it's certainly possible he knocks out Derek Brunson. I'd say that's probably the, the, the most likely way. And, and Jared Cannonier is a dog, by the way. I mean, you, you've, you've seen that in um, his last uh, performances. You know, you saw it in the win against Gastelum. You saw it in the loss against Whitaker. He's always going to be there. He's very hard to put away. He's always going to be there moving forward. Uh, he's got a good chin. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to be there. He's going to be there. But, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, because I... And that is a good strength for Cannoneer, but I think Brunson has the will as well. It's not like Brunson's some pushover. Um, so, you know, I I, I, I like, I, you know, I understand the odds for this fight, but, um, you know, I'm going to go with Derek Brunson, and I'm going to say he wins by decision because it's a little hard to finish Jared Cannoneer. So we'll go Brunson by decision. All right, moving on. Uh, to the second fight here on the main card in the lightweight division between Alexander Hernandez and Hinato Moicano. Hernandez is 13-4, and four, Moicano 15-4-1. and one. Take a look, excuse me, take a look at the odds for this one. Uh, all out of order here, and they're going to have Moicano as the minus 165 favorite, and I would have to, uh, I would have to agree. I'm, I'm going to pick Hinato Moicano in this one, uh, we have a new nickname for Alexander Hernandez. It's the Great Ape. Uh, kind of fitting. Kind of fitting, you know. Um, but I like Moicano. Um, these are these are two guys who um, were fairly big prospects a couple of years ago. And, you know, they, they kind of reached a wall and, and kind of fell off. Kind of fell off. You have... Hinato uh, Moicano, who was a, a once undefeated prospect, got choked out by Brian Ortega, and then you know picked up a couple of nice wins against Calvin Cater and uh, Cubs Swanson. Got the biggest fight of his career against Jose Aldo, and got knocked out in Brazil. And ever since then, hasn't. Uh, well, I don't want to say he, I don't want to say he hasn't been the same, but certainly his profile has gone down since then. He got knocked out by Chan Sung Jung, got knocked out by Rafael Fiziev. He's uh, three and four, he, he's three and four in his last. Uh, excuse me, three and one in his last four fights. Um, so you know, 
things are turning around a little bit for Moicano, and at 32, there, there's still plenty of time. Uh, Hernandez was never the same since his uh, loss to uh, Cowboy Cerrone, flip-flopping wins and losses. And really, that's generous because they say he won his fight against Francisco Trinaldo, one of the worst robberies I've ever seen. Only happened because that fight was taking place in San Antonio, Texas. The uh, home base of Hernandez 100% lost that fight. So really, he's got two wins against Chris Gritzmacher and Mike Breeden in the last uh, three calendar years. Uh, so I'm going to go Moicano. I think he's the better fighter. The thing I really appreciate about Moicano is he he came into the sport as a uh, BJJ practitioner, started to fall in love with his uh, kicks and, and his punches, and started to have a bunch of losses because of that. And, uh, you know, in this little mini resurgence for Moicano, uh, it, it's happened because he's gone back to his BJJ roots. He understands his weaknesses, which I think is... Uh, very important. Not that you don't want to improve your your boxing and kickboxing and and things like that. But what I appreciate appreciate about Moicano is he understands what brought him to the dance, and you you better believe that he's going to be looking to uh, submit Alexander Hernandez in this one. Uh, whereas Hernandez, you know, I don't really know how good of a wrestler Hernandez is. I know that you know his his bread and butter is uh, is striking. So you know, matchup wise, it's a uh, it's a good and bad matchup for both of these fighters. I mean, you have a, a striker versus a grappler, so there's obviously some things to like about that, you know. But but, but uh, you know, there's obviously some things to to not like about that. Um, uh, how's that for sitting on the fence? But uh, you know, I, I think Moicano wins. I think he wins. I think he'll get some takedowns on Hernandez. Maybe even submit some. Uh, really, in any round of this fight. And, uh, you know, probably works his way to a nice uh, 15-minute decision if I, uh, if I had to put money on it. All right, moving on to the main card opener. Uh, we'll have another lightweight fight here between King Bobby Green and Nasrat Hakparast. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds for this one. Bobby Green, the minus 145 favorite. Uh, Hack Parask is 13 and 4. Bobby Green 28, 12 and 1. Uh, much more appropriate matchmaking for Nasrat. I, I thought it was wild that he got to fight Dan Hooker. And obviously, we saw what happened. That was not a very uh, smart idea by uh, the UFC matchmakers, especially because I don't, I don't view Nasrat as a, a blue chip elite prospect. So. You know, I think he's a, a nice, solid B-level prospect, one of those guys where, you know, got some wins in the company, got some losses. We'll see what happens. We'll see where he goes. But to, to put him that high up in, the, in one of the deepest divisions in the UFC, especially against a guy who just, you know, what, a year prior, a year and a half prior was in, you know, an absolute war with Dustin Poirier. Uh, and you got to see what Dan Hooker was made of. Absolutely ridiculous and, and quite honestly dangerous. You know, it's, it's dangerous. You have to look out for people's health. That is a dangerous thing to do that. I think this uh, matchup is much more appropriate. Um, although, you know, Bobby Green's a, a good fighter, a guy who's been around for a very long time, got a lot of fights uh, under his belt, and uh, is coming off of a really nice win against Al Quinto, where he just kind of dusted him uh, in, in half a round. Um you know, two losses before that. Before that, he had a, a three-fight winning streak, a real nice career resurgence, wins over Guida, 
Fanata and Patrick. You know, he's just a good striker, and and uh, you know he he's uh, a seasoned striker. He's a very savvy striker, so I think that's going to present problems for Nasrat. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go Bobby Green on this one. I think he uh, wins a unanimous decision victory. That's kind of his uh, M.O., you know, although he is coming off of a nice uh, knockout win. But Iaquinto is out for some time. Nasrat is is far more active. And, you know, Bobby Green's a guy who goes to decisions. He's, he's a guy who, you know, doesn't really force uh, anything. And, um, you know, I don't think as highly of Nasrat as other people. That's not to say I don't, you know, that's not to say I think lowly of him. But, uh I think Bobby Green's a, a stiff test. Uh, there's a reason they put this one as the main card opener. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun fight, but I think Bobby Green's going to come out with the uh, UD win on this one. All right, moving on to the prelim headliner. Uh, it'll take place in the heavyweight division between the former heavyweight champion Andre Arlovsky and Jared Vandera. Vandera 20, or excuse me, Vandera 12 and 6. Arlovsky 32 and 20. We'll take a look at the odds for this one. Uh, Arlovsky, the slight minus 150 favorite. Uh, don't have a whole lot to say on this one. Kind of confusing why it's the uh, prelim headliner. Obviously, Arlovsky, a relatively big name, still kicking at 43. Uh, I don't. I don't really think anything of Jared Vandera, and I think this is. Uh, a tailor-made fight for Arlovsky to win. I mean, that's this is this is kind of like the Arlovsky special, where you look at his last five fights. He's got four wins in his last five fights, and they're against Felipe Linz, Tanner Bozier, Chase Sherman, and Carlos Felipe. Jared Vandera certainly fits the profile of younger, way less experienced, D to C level fighter that Arlovsky is just going to win and, you know, continue racking up wins in the company at such an advanced age. Uh, good good for him, and I appreciate that they're not really sending him to the Wolves. I mean, kind of a dick move to have him fight Tom Aspinall, but um, I think this is a, a very uh, appropriate matchmaking, and, and this is certainly the type of fight that Andre Arlovsky in his current form is uh, primed to win. And I'm going to go unanimous decision. He doesn't really get finishes uh, these days. All right, moving on. Uh, we have a flyweight fight here between Roxanne Mataferi and Casey O'Neill. O'Neill eight and O. Mataferi twenty-five and nineteen. This is her retirement fight, and she will uh, be the biggest underdog on the card at plus three hundred. O'Neill the minus three ninety favorite. Uh, I'm gonna go with Casey O'Neill on this one. It, it does give me some trepidation that that she's going up against Roxanne Mataferi, who has definitely proven to be uh, kind of a spoiler in in the UFC. I mean, she has a crazy amount of fights for for a female fighter, a crazy amount of losses for a female fighter. But uh, I, I remember seeing something, and I forget the uh, I, f- I forget the exact number. But if you were to bet. If you were to bet $100 on Roxanne Mataferi throughout throughout her UFC career, you would have profited, I think it was like $890. So like she's she's always the underdog and uh, by pretty big odds. And I think she's like a 500 fighter in the UFC, maybe even less than a 500 fighter in the UFC, but you would definitely make a lot of money on Roxanne Mataferi. Um... 
you know, that being said, she is 39, and, uh, you know, Casey O'Neill is, uh, I think, a very, very legitimate prospect that we'll probably be seeing uh, pretty high in, in, in the rankings at some point in the next 12 to, <coughs> excuse me, 18 months, you know, barring, you know, some catastrophic injury. But, you know, three, two, well, two-fight losing streak for uh, Mata Ferry, uh, she has a lot of red on her record, and and the the wins she has, uh, you know, you have that that win against Macy Barber, who blew out her ACL. We don't know how that fight would have gone if Macy Barber was healthy. So, yeah, I think I think Casey O'Neill is a, a next generation fighter, significantly younger, and uh, you know, I, I think she'll get the job done. Maybe even finishes Roxanne. So, very tough retirement fight. Probably should have picked a different fight for the. Uh, retirement fight if if I was uh, UFC matchmakers all right moving on uh, we got a fight here in the bantamweight division between Kyler Phillips and Marcelo Rojo Phillips 9 and 2 Rojo 16 and 7 we'll take a look at the odds for this one uh, and Kyler Phillips very heavy minus 405 favorite uh, and uh, I agree, and I'm really kind of confused by the matchmaking here. I don't understand why Phillips is, is taking on Rojo. That makes absolutely no sense to me, Kyler Phillips. Um, pretty, pretty good prospect who's kind of not turning into a prospect. I mean, he was, he was in the rankings just a fight ago. He's 26. Uh, you know, he, he had a majority decision loss to Howley and Paiva, but before that, Nice win over uh, Song Yudong. And, and you look at Marcelo Rojo, he's 33. He's definitely not a prospect. And he's 0-1 in the UFC, got knocked out by Charles Jordan. So I don't understand how he gets a fight just barely outside of the rankings against Kyler Phillips, who probably should still be in the rankings, if I'm being honest. Makes no sense. I would expect Kyler Phillips to probably dust uh, Marcelo Rojo. And, and uh, that's about all I have to say on that one. All right, moving on, we have a light heavyweight fight between Carlos Olberg and Fabio Charant. Olberg 3-1, Charant 7-3. Olberg obviously only in the UFC because he's buddies with uh, Israel Adesanya. We'll take a look at the odds. And he will be the minus 255 favorite against the uh, Water Buffalo. Um, don't like Carlos Olberg. Really don't like Carlos Olberg. Not as a person, but as as a fighter. I think he uh, probably needs a few more fights on the regional scene. And uh, you know they're they're not putting him up against a guy with a crazy amount of experience. So you know they're they're they have a tailor made matchup for him. But uh, I, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I mean his fight against Kennedy uh, Chukwu. You, you really saw why you shouldn't be in the UFC with, you know, three professional fights. I mean, that's a little bit ridiculous. Um, that being said, Fabio Charant, two fights in the UFC. Both of them he got finished in the first round. One of them was a submission from uh, Alonzo Menafield. The other one was a submission, or a, a knockout, excuse me, from uh, William Knight. I think there's a huge drop-off between those two fighters and Carlos Alberg. But that being said, I think Carlos Alberg's probably going to win this fight because it is uh, tailor-made for him. Uh, and, yeah, I guess he's a powerful, powerful striker. You have to imagine anybody from City Kickboxing is also going to be uh, well-versed in feints and uh, and things like that. But uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I guess begrudgingly I'll go with Carlos Olberg on this one. All right, we're flying through some of the prelims here. Moving on, we have a uh, bantamweight fight between Ronnie Lawrence and Mana Martinez. Lawrence, 7-1. and one. Martinez, 9-2. and two. Lawrence, the 290 favorite. Definitely going with uh, Ronnie Lawrence on this one. Um, this also is the early prelim headliner. Uh, Ronnie the Heat Lawrence. Um, great debut. He had a really, really nice debut uh, but it has been a while since he's been in the octagon. That was back in uh, February of uh, 2021. So about a year layoff for him. Had a couple of canceled bouts uh, in between. So I don't know if it was injuries or you know just bad timing or, or whatever that kept him out. But a uh, very strong wrestler, uh, smart striker. Uh, he's got tremendous stats through one fight. Uh, so I'm not going to dive too much into that because it is only one fight. Uh, but Mana Martinez... You know, don't know uh, a whole lot about him. He's 25. Uh, did have a split decision win over Guido Canetti, who is very old and also probably shouldn't uh, be in the UFC. So, um, just kind of, he's uh, kind of an unknown. I mean, we did see him on the Contender Series. He got choked out by Draco Rodriguez, who flamed out of the UFC. So, you know, if if you're a believer in MMA math, then uh, you know, probably not going to go well for uh, Mr. Martinez on uh, on this one. All right, moving on uh, to the middleweight division. Uh, we'll have a fight between Jacob Malcoon of Australia. He's 5-1 and one against the American A.J. Dobson, 6-0. Take a look at the odds for this one. Dobson's going to be the minus-120 favorite. Uh, obviously, Malcoon, uh, a training partner of Israel, or excuse me, of uh, Robert Whitaker, uh, I, I hear a lot about his uh, wrestling credentials. Um, a very, very good, uh, well, I guess grappling credentials. A very good grappler. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about A.J. Dobson. Obviously, there's are two guys with uh, very little professional MMA experience, so the, the matchup makes uh, a good deal of sense. Uh, Dobson's going to have a 4-inch height advantage, a 3-inch reach advantage, and uh, he'll be making his... Uh, UFC debut. Uh, he won on the Contender Series back in September against Tashim Arkhaga. Uh, choked him out in uh, in round one, and uh, Malcoon had a terrible debut. Terrible debut. Got knocked out in 18 seconds by Phil Hayes, uh, Phil Hawes, excuse me, uh, back at UFC 254. But came back, got a nice UD win over Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Uh, and uh, that was uh, 10 months ago, so a little bit of a layoff for uh, Malcoon. Pretty tough to pick this one, especially given it's the debut for Dobson. We, we do see uh, people disproportionately struggle in their UFC debut. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, no surprise why. It's a, it's a very tough thing. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with Jacob Malcoon. I mean, you know, UFC fight number three. Uh, he's got... He's got uh, uh, a high level. I forget what they said. He was a, a purple belt and and went uh, and, and won uh, the purple belt division or whatever. Or no, he qualified for ADCC as a purple belt. Whatever the fuck that means. I'm not. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't watch a whole lot of uh, submission grappling and, and things like that. But uh, people in the know tell me that he's a, a great grappler. So, you know, when there's not a whole lot of information, I got to go with what I got to go with. So I'll go Jacob Malcoon by. 
unanimous decision because that's the uh, safe bet. All right, moving on back to the bantamweight division. A whole lot of bantamweights on this card. We got Douglas Silva DeAndrade taking on Sergey Morozov. Silva DeAndrade 27 and 4. Morozov 17 and 4, representing Kazakhstan. Glorious Kazakhstan. Uh, Morozov will actually be the minus 210 favorite. Uh, that's a little bit surprising uh, to me. Uh, Douglas Silva DeAndrade is 36 years old. Uh, dimensionally, these guys are going to be basically identical. Even look-wise, they're they're you know, Silva DeAndrade is basically the Brazilian version of Morozov and and uh, vice versa with uh, Morozov. Uh, Silva DeAndrade, ton of UFC experience, and. Um, you know, kind of, kind of flip-flopping wins and losses. Though I will say the losses he has are to uh, pretty good fighters: uh, Tahugov, Font, Jan, and uh, Murphy, Larone Murphy. Um, so yeah, this is a guy who's used to taking on the, the kind of the cream of the crop. Uh, you know, for for guys who aren't you know in the in the top ten, you know, maybe up and coming guys or or just tough tests. Um, had a really nice knockout, uh, highlight level knockout of uh, Gaetano Perillo uh, last October. And uh, Morozov, relatively new to the UFC, he is uh, 32, uh, one and one in the UFC, got choked up by Umar Namagomedov in his debut about a year ago and then came back six months later and scored the uh, unanimous decision victory over Khalid Taha. Uh, kind of, kind of a tough one to pick here. Basically, a, a coin flip, uh, in my mind. Uh, the, the striking stats, not very good for uh, De Silva uh, or Silva Diandraj, excuse me. Uh, it's a, a mouthful. Um, but again, you got to factor in the, um, uh, you know, strength of schedule. You know, that being said, I'll, I'll side with the uh, the un, the relative unknown uh, of Sergey Morozov. Um, you know, he, he came up through M1, fought some some tough fighters in M1, fought uh, Movzar Evloev uh, in M1. Obviously, didn't beat him because Evloev is undefeated. Uh, he fought uh, Josh Reddinghouse a couple of times, who was on the most recent season of the Ultimate Fighter. So, you know, he, he has some some good experience on the regional scene. So we'll go Sergey Morozov by. Round two knockout. I say I say he finishes uh, Silva Diandraj. All right, we're going to be moving on here, almost towards the uh, the end. Uh, we'll have uh, Blood Diamond taking on Jeremiah Wells. Blood Diamond uh, three and O. Oh. He's a training partner of Israel Adesanya by way of Zimbabwe. Jeremiah Wells nine two and one. I believe he's a training partner of Paul Felder. Uh, over there in uh, Philadelphia, one of the worst cities on planet Earth, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Jeremiah Wells is actually going to be the minus uh, 230 favorite. Um, this one is tough for me because the motherfucker's name is Blood Diamond. I really want to go with it. Like, if your if your name is Blood Diamond. I really want to go with you. That's a fucking awesome nickname. Uh, so, this is tough. But Jeremiah Wells had such a tremendous debut 
and he is very powerful very powerful very scary he's 35 um so you know he's not uh he's not a young buck but he fucking blasted warley alves in his debut uh eight months ago so uh this is this is very tough i almost want to flip a coin but it's just i I like both of these fighters a lot i mean i don't know a whole lot about blood diamond but you know the name that being said I'm, i'm gonna go with jeremiah wells he's got a lot more experience uh it, it, it pains me to go against my boy Blood Diamond, but Jeremiah Wells is very explosive and very powerful. So he he could he could send Blood Diamond out there on on a stretcher. So you know, I'll go Jeremiah Wells. But to be honest, I'm just rooting for a good fight in this one. You know, in, in almost every fight, there is a fighter I'm rooting for. In this one, I'm not really rooting for anybody. I'm just rooting for a good, solid outcome because you know I like both these fighters. All right, and then moving on uh, to the prelim headliner. It's going to be in the heavyweight division, thanks to William Knight. Uh, and it's going to be a fight between Maxime Grishin and William Knight. Knight is 11-2. Grishin is 31-9-2. We'll take a look at the odds for this one. And Grishin's going to be the minus 165 favorite. I don't know if that's updated post um, missing weight by 12 pounds for William Knight. What a scumbag move. Absolute scumbag move, which is unfortunate because it seems like William Knight's a a pretty uh, cool, cool and nice guy, but uh, absolute scumbag move, Uh, especially knowing Grishin's not going to cancel the fight because he's traveling from Russia and, you know, restrictions and visas and COVID and all that. I mean, just insanely disrespectful to miss by that much. And very easily could be the last fight in the UFC for William Knight, especially if he loses. I mean, if he loses this fight, I could easily see him getting cut. You cannot miss by 12 pounds. Holy shit, that is insane. I'm surprised he weighed in, honestly, because if if I was 12 pounds over, I just would not even weigh in. I would just... I would voluntarily check myself into the hospital and just be like oh my weight cut went bad which i don't doubt that it didn't i mean if you've missed by that bad but there's no way i would have that official number be out there i would just i would just pull out of the fight um but uh fight's gonna happen so hopefully grishin knocks his block off um william knight a very very powerful striker um had a nice knockout win over fabio charant barely touched Charant and just, you know, sent him flying. Um, had, had a bit of a war against Alonzo Menafield. Kind of a fun fight. They both gassed out. I mean, they're both just, you know, absolutely yoked. Um, and uh, and Grishin, you know, he's, he's fought at heavyweight in the UFC uh, in his debut. Uh, probably more suited to be uh, a light heavyweight, but he really kind of floats in between you know I, th- I feel if there was a cruiserweight division uh you know maybe maybe grishan would uh you know be optimized to to fight at that weight uh lost to dustin jacoby in his last fight uh lost to tabura in his debut and had a nice knockout of gedzamurad antigulov uh in october of uh, 2020 uh, a merciful stoppage if i'm remembering that one correctly against uh, antigulov um, that being said, I, I am going to go with William Knight on this one. I mean, the fact he missed by uh, 
12 pounds is a bit concerning, but um, I just think he's the better fighter, the better striker, and, and he's very powerful, and he's going to, you know, have 12 pounds on, on Maxime Grishin. So I'll go William Knight, but I'm definitely rooting for, for Grishin to uh, flatline William Knight. All right, with that, we've reached the end of our preview. So uh, again, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star. Actually, excuse me. Let me correct myself. NSS underscore MN. You can check out our website at NorthStarSports.media or OwenEly.com. We will have updated rankings. Uh, well, I guess uh, certainly post UFC 271, but we'll also update the rankings uh, from last week, which we forgot to do. And, uh, you know, with that, thanks for tuning in, everybody.